the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. What do you think of when you think of the word pediatrician or pediatrics? Well, you probably think of children, and we're going to talk about that word that's in a verse in 1 John chapter 2. Uh, we welcome you to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. So honored that you're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we invite you to get a Bible, turn to the New Testament book of 1 John chapter 2, and we'll pick up at verse 18. Well, Bert, it's great to be with you on the air, be in the Word of God, but I want to give a shout-out and a thank you to somebody. May I do that? Go right ahead. I wonder who it is. Well, it's the Catawba River Baptist Association in western North Carolina, up in the beautiful uh, mountains of North Carolina. I'm on my way to Ridgecrest. Bert, have you ever heard of Ridgecrest? I have not only heard of it, I have spent several weeks there in the summer, especially when I was a youth minister and then also as a pastor. And some of the, I'm telling you, one of the great weeks I was there is Adrian Rogers was the camp pastor. And I got to meet him, talk with him, and uh, hear him. And I'm telling you, it was a treat. So that's a glorious place, Alex. Well, it is. Uh, Ridgecrest right now is going on a national conference of Child Evangelism Fellowship, CEF. And it's it's kind of a big deal. I think they only have their conference about every four years. And tomorrow I have the privilege of speaking, and I'm going to talk about worldview and apologetics for young people, you know, defending the biblical worldview. But I'm on my way to Ridgecrest and um, to stop over and, and meet and do the show from their offices. The Catawba River Baptist Association graciously is letting me use their conference room. And so isn't it a blessing? There's just good, godly people <laughs> all over that Amen. are ready to link arms to share the gospel. That is awesome, Alex. And I got to ask, is it named, is the Catawba River named after the Catawba tree? Do you know anything uh, well, about Catawba know, trees? I know. I, I definitely know what Catawba trees are, yes. Did you ever have any Catawba know. worms on the trees? Look. Let me tell you, they will bite a horse. <laughs> hey, here's another story for another day. Yeah. But let me just say, if you're about 12 years old and you're riding a horse and that horse gets bitten by a Catawba worm, you'll get thrown. <laughs> well, let me tell you what and, they're and good for. If you can experience. Av- yeah. If you can avoid not being bit or stung, if you turn them inside out, they make fantastic fishing bait. And uh, anyway, right that's on. enough. We've, we've given enough lessons, science lessons today. But you're right. In Chapter 2, and, and let me say that, man, isn't it great to have friends along the way? And, Alex, I appreciate how you do it. You call ahead. You know some people, and you say, hey, I'm going to do Exploring the Word. Uh, could I do that from your area, your office? And what a – listen, that's the way salvation works with so many people. People want to say, man, what sermon did that preacher preach when, when so-and-so was saved? Well, that, that was effective, and that was good, but there's no telling how many people had input to that person's life before they came to that decision. And this is the way it is with you as you travel more than uh, anybody else I know around here at AFR. You honestly do. 
And uh, you, you know, along the way, you have been blessed by meeting a lot of godly people that are helping you uh, with the mission that God's given you. That's great news, Alex. Well, it really is. And, you know, uh, we've got this radio station in a in a suitcase, the portable (laughs) rig I carry around the USA. And a lot of times, you know, this over the last 13 years, I have done the program remotely and I'll, I'll call up you know, total strangers. And it's funny, I'll call up churches and I'll say, hi, you know, this is Alex. And at, you know, three o'clock central, could I use your conference room or something? And people very often they'll say, really, you know, Alex and Bert, this is you? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, come on. And so I don't know, I guess in 14 years, easily a hundred different remote locations, people have graciously opened their doors to exploring the word. Yeah, we've talked about having some exploring the word T-shirts, and on the back we're going to say, "Where is Alex?" You remember where is Waldo? And we're going to say, yeah. "Where is uh, Alex?" And have it listed. He's done exploring the word in an airport, in his car, in his motel room, in uh, churches. And uh, but anyway, I think that would make a great T-shirt, brother. <laughs> Well, it would. well, listen, in 1 John 2, 18, let me read this verse, and I, there's just some wonderful words here, but it says, Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Uh, Bert, I've seen online different people, sometimes very irreverent comedians, I've seen uh, atheists just brazenly mocking God. But the spirit of Antichrist, the mindset that denies Jesus, that denies the Word of God, that denies moral truth, the the mindset of of anti-God, anti-salvation, unrighteousness, it's been around for centuries, but there is going to come the, the man of sin, the Antichrist. But I would say we're living in a time where many voices that are anti-Christian are already calling out in this dark world. I would agree. In some translations, verse 18, it's the last hour. Uh, and and I, yeah. I think that is, looking at the Greek, I felt like that was a definite good translation. And I was reading a commentary, and it says the last hour is really describing a kind of time rather than a duration because we're talking about the last hour. This is the first century. This is when he was writing, and now we, we've gone uh, 1,900 years plus since then. So we're at the last of the last hour, but it describes a time. And verse 19 kind of goes into it. Uh, and ver- uh, re- Excuse me, the rest of verse 18 goes into it describing what the last hour is, and it is the Antichrist that are coming into the world. And Alex, uh, the last hour is growing in intensity. In other words, the kind of time it's going to be when Jesus comes back, the Bible says it will wax, or that's the way King James says it, and that's the way I memorized it, will wax or get worse and worse. But when you talk about the Antichrist and you look at verse 18 and following, First, it is the spirit that's in the world that opposes or denies Christ. That's Mm -hmm. been there since day one. And then the second one is the false teachers who embrace that thought, and they produce that kind of spirit in others. In other words, that is in others, and they share it. But the climax 
is the person. And notice, it is capitalized in verse 18. The Antichrist is capitalized. Why it says many Antichrist, small a, have come into the world. It's going to climax, and we find that in Revelation 13, chapter 16, chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. And I would say, and you know this, John is the only writer in the New Testament that uses the word Antichrist. Uh, They'll call him other names, son of perdition and others, but John uses the word Antichrist. And with him following that up in the book of Revelation, it really has stuck, and we understand that, don't we? Well, we do. I mean, he, as the last apostle and as the one, as you alluded to, that would write the book of Revelation, um, John is the prophetic writer of the New Testament. I, I know there in First uh, and Second Thessalonians there's prophecy, in First Corinthians 15 there's prophecy, in First uh, and Second Peter there's prophecy, but really... Uh, John got to see farther into eternity past than any other New Testament writer, John chapter 1. I believe John got to see farther into the future than any other New Testament writer because, um, you know, even Paul and Peter write about end-time things, but John gets to even see the new heavens and the new earth. But you're right, this word Antichrist is unique to John. Now, look at verse 19. Speaking of Christian, professed Christians, I should say, that fall away. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Now, Bert, um, there was an article that came out yesterday, and it really made my heart heavy. And and I want to say this about the, the falling away. People in the first century would profess Christ, and some would turn away, reject Christ, and even um, repudiate what they once believed. And in, in our time, over the last decade— um, writers and sociologists have come up with the term none, N-O-N-E-S. And of the 150 million millennials and younger, um, more than any other generation in Western history, there has been a, this growing demographic of people, you know, are, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? What, what religion are you? And of the 150 million millennials and younger, Somewhere around 40-50% say none. Now, Bert, I want you to comment on an article, if you would, because it really made my heart heavy. Uh, It said that the Southern Baptist Convention has the lowest attendance since 1978. Did you see that article? I did, yes. And let me tell you, regardless of whoever you are, what maybe you're Baptist, maybe you're uh, Methodist, Presbyterian, Assembly of God— non-denominational, Bible church, whomever. We Christians, we've got a root for each other, you know? Like D.L. Moody, any friend of Jesus is a friend of mine. And I want to tell you, um, it's interesting how the different denominations, everybody brings something unique to the table. The the Pentecostals wonderfully uh, preach about the Holy Spirit, and we need that, right? 
Well, let me tell you, among other good things I could say, the Baptists, more than other denominations, usually lead out in evangelism. Say this about the Southern Baptists. They emphasize soul winning. And it it does grieve uh, any of us when people, one time they claim Christ, then they fall away. But let me just say, this is a time, two things I'll say. Greg Laurie said this recently. We've got we to stand with each other, church. Listen, whatever flavor of Christian you are, if you love Jesus, we're family. But the other thing is, as Greg Laurie said, we've got to lead people to Jesus. We better do that. It's kind of like the Founding Fathers. I, exact, I don't remember the exact phrase, but we better hang together or we will all hang separately. And so Mm. we need to hang together, sharing Christ with a world that needs to know him. We'll be back right after this break. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you today. And listen, you're hearing a few new songs on the, as we call it here, bumper music. Somebody asked, said, why do y'all call it that? And I said, I have no idea. I just picked it up when I heard other radio guys call it bumper music. I did. You can call it intro or whatever, but we're enjoying that. Appreciate Brent doing all of that. Alex, you was talking about these antichrists, small a. Let me tell you. The Antichrist come in many ways. It's those that are against redemption, and that's the main way we understand it. They teach another way to heaven. But let me just add to this. It's also false teachers concerning creation. Okay? Amen. So what's happened, a lot of the false teachers has worked their way, especially into the education system, concerning creation. And a lot of false teachers concerning redemption has worked their way into the church uh, organization. So these are all false teachers, and that's why these college students and why your job, and I do it when I preach, I do, I lay it out before them how we can have faith in the Word of God. Uh, You know, apologetics, why we can defend it, it's true, it's right, is because they're going into these anti-God educational systems so many times and they're hearing false teachers concerning creation. So we we need to, I, I don't think I've heard a lot of folks talk about it that way, but it really is, it's false teaching concerning creation. And so, Alex, that leads down a trail of false teachings concerning redemption. And uh, But if you get creation and redemption right, I want to just tell you, it puts you in steady, steady stream ready for truth, don't you? Doesn't it? Well, a- absolutely. And and let us say this, and we could elaborate at length, but um, maybe another show. Uh, the existence of God, the authenticity of the Bible, the reality of Jesus, who literally, historically lived and rose from the grave, all of these claims of the Christian faith, we can defend compelling, compelling lines of evidence 
point to the truth of the Christian faith. And then I'm going to get to verse 20 and talk about our personal experience of it. But here's my point, folks. Don't be misled. If you hear uh, a voice uh, on TV or some writer or some professor or some celebrity or whomever denying the Christian worldview, don't be misled. Um, compelling lines of evidence point to the truth of Christianity. And Bert, it's my joy when we organize our conferences. Um, you know, there is the simple gospel that God loves you, Christ died for you. But we've been so privileged in 25 years to schedule PhDs of every discipline imaginable, history, science, mathematics, biology, chemistry, physics, the legal field, historians, archaeologists, I've, I've booked them all. And we know PhDs of every discipline. And I'm thinking right now of a chemist in uh, Kingsport, Tennessee at Eastman Chemical. There's a wonderful lady I met there. She got her job out of 24,000 applicants, one of the most esteemed chemists literally in the world. And she's a born-again Christian, a six-day believer in creation. And so, folks, don't fall away because the truth is on, on the side of the evidence. But here's the thing. Alex, verse, that, that, verse 21, I, and I know you got to go back. No lie is of the truth. It's truth that we're standing on. Go ahead. I just wanted to make sure right. it is truth. Go ahead. Well, verse 20 says, you have an unction from the Holy One. Literally, the word is an anointing, and you know all things. Now, it doesn't mean that any of us are omniscient. Really, only God has all knowledge. But it really means that we, we know Christ in the sense of we have personally experienced it, and we'll revisit the word know that you, you so wisely pointed out. First uh, John contains that word, you know, 30 times. First of all, we know the Savior that we have trusted in. And we have a solid grasp on God's revelation such that we don't have to be misled intellectually or morally. Now, Bert, some people fall away out of intellectual skepticism. Other people fall away out of moral failure. And, and they feed on each other. Let me just they, share. They do. Have you noticed they, they run parallel many, many times? Yeah, and friend, don't fall in either direction. There's this narrow path called the life of the disciple, and there's a ditch on either side. There's the ditch of doubt and unbelief. There's the ditch of immorality and disobedience. Don't fall either way. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Watchman Nee, the Christian leader, uh, I believe he was Chinese, but yes. he said Christianity is this, feet on the path, eyes on the Savior, hand to the plow. Amen. Amen. Hey, we haven't quoted Watchman Nee in a long time, but there's another one worth quoting. Go back to verse 19. We, we like quotes. We do, we? and because we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants that's gone before us concerning the Word of God, and that we've read their their material, and it has blessed us and helped us. But the word continued with us is also the word abide, some from the same root. And this Amen. is what you get from verse 18 all the way through 29. You'll find that word appearing again. And so what it's talking about, verse 19, sets this up of abiding in Christ. If you know him, you'll. the word abide has the idea of remaining, remaining in him. 
And if you know him, you'll remain in him. You'll stay with him. But if not, something's going to happen, and it will be revealed one day that you went out, that you weren't of us in the first place. So people talk about the phrase, oh, once saved, always saved. If I believe that, I would I would live anyway. No, if you're once saved, all things have become new. If you're really saved, things have changed. Yes, you still have the carnal body. You still have those things. But I'm just telling you, you have a new spirit. You have a new direction. And, and listen, you feed upon Christ, abide in him, remain in him, continue in him. That's the whole idea, Alex. And so we have people, the pastor as much as anything, equipping them to know the truth, but also encouraging them to stay with the truth. Don't Mm. be led astray by who? The little Antichrist that comes Mm. along. Have you noticed most of the Antichrist false teachers, they go out after people that are in church that have kind of been disgruntled and they go after them more than they do anywhere else so they they can pull them away. And so that's what Satan wants them to do is be pulled away uh, because if they stay in the church and they continue listening, hopefully they will respond to the truth and be set free in Christ Jesus. So here Mm. it is, uh, you that are listening today and you're saved, abide in Christ, stay in Christ, remain in him, stay with the stuff, continue to go to church, study his word, serve others. And I want to tell you, Alex, that's what we're left here for, isn't it? Well, it really is. It really is. And uh, there is something to be said for staying with the stuff yes. and staying with the Savior. Now, verse 22 is a very famous verse, First John 2, 22. Uh, John asked a question, who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now, all right, first of all, let's look at this. Uh, in I've got the King James with me, but it says, who is a liar? Really, the definite article in the original language is the. Who is the liar but the one who denies Jesus is the Christ? The implication of this is, okay, Satan is the liar, but anybody that denies the incarnation and the deity of Christ is really singing off the same song sheet as Satan, by the way. Now, one of the litmus tests for Christian orthodoxy is like Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? So, folks, it's very key. John eight twenty four. Jesus said, and I could give many scriptures, but part of being a Christian is to acknowledge the deity of Christ, that Jesus is not merely a good man, but the God-man, God incarnate. So, verse 22 is a litmus test. Whenever anybody says, well, you know, Jesus, I, I accept that he was a wise teacher, but not the only Savior, not God incarnate. According to 1 John 2.22, that is the mindset, the perspective of the Antichrist. And by the way, uh, Bert, you comment, then I've got one other thought on this verse, if you will. Okay, let me just share with you. This whole idea of what he's saying is connected also, verse 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. I could not help but remember Jesus when they were really getting him, the Pharisees, and they were sharing him. He said, you 
or of your father, the devil. Now, that is the whole idea. When you see Antichrist, yes, you think of that, but go a little deeper, Alex. It's not just Antichrist. It is satanic. It is of the devil. And so this this teaching, this thought is, notice also in verse 22, he is Antichrist. Now, again, yeah. the A and the D doesn't have an article in front. He is Antichrist. It's a, That's the reason I was talking about earlier when it talks about the idea of of the the antichrist in the last hour it the this this is the spirit of antichrist it's always been with us it gets stronger and stronger and stronger until it culminates in the antichrist and and mm-hmm. so listen <clears throat> we stand with Christ all the way well and and let me say the word liar there uh is the in the greek is the word pseudo you know, uh, P-S-E-U-D-O, uh, it's a variant of that. Now, when whenever you hear the prefix pseudo, like pseudoscience or pseudonym, uh, it, it's a prefix that means something fake. It, it really means an imposter. It's very interesting. Who is a liar but he that denies Jesus is the Christ? Okay, the word Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, it means anointed one, Christos. It's a Latin and a Greek word. But the, the seven titles that the New Testament uses, Son of God, Son of Man, God, Lord, Messiah, Christ, uh, these words mean the Savior. Now, when somebody denies that Jesus is the virgin-born, God-incarnate Savior sent from God, I mean, that's... Um, pseudo theology, in other words, it's false. And again, First John two twenty two, it's the mindset of the Antichrist. And Bert, um, I, I've uh, dialogued with a lot of people, and I've heard this so many times where people will kind of piously want to give a nod to Jesus, and they'll say, "Well, he was a great teacher, but not the one and only Savior." Well, no, he claimed to be the only way. And he also rose from the dead. So it it behooves us, one and all, to accept what Christ taught about himself, that he is the way of salvation. Now, down there uh, in verse 24, Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. You know, uh, I remember... I remember when I walked that aisle and I knew the Holy Spirit was calling me and I somehow, by the grace of God, Bert, I realized that I was making a decision to follow the Lord. I I didn't know I was going to be a preacher at that point, but I remember, and this thought went through my head and I give God the glory, but I thought this, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, Bert? Yep. Amen, Alex. Amen. Let's go all and the way, not partial, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so there in 24, it says, what you've heard from the beginning, abide in it. Stay with it. That word is, is different in the King James, but in the New King James, I want to read it. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. There's one abide. If you have heard from the beginning, abides in you, that's two, and you also abide in the Son and in the Father. Three times in verse 24, he's talking about sticking to the stuff. 
In other words, staying with it. You remember that scripture that Paul says you have fallen from grace? It wasn't mm. talking about them falling from salvation. It was talking about falling from what he had taught them, that you're saved by grace through faith. And so that is so important that we understand that we abide in him. And this is the promise that he has promised us. What is it? Eternal life. What uh, an eternal life is not just a duration it is a quality. It's not just quantity. It is quality. Eternal life we have in him to know him. And He it says, I've come that you might have life and have it what? Abundantly. Abundantly. And so this eternal life is real life. Let me just share with you. We're talking about everything that Satan does, Antichrist. What Satan does, and he does it also through false teachers, Antichrist, is give you counterfeits. Satan has never had an original thought in his existence. Everything Amen. else he has is a, a something that he has seen and he has taken and he has confused it. He has corrupted it. And in salvation, he has counterfeit. So here he is. You've got counterfeit teachers known as Antichrist. They teach a counterfeit doctrine. They lead to a counterfeit salvation, which leads to a counterfeit life. Everything stems from the root, and that root from Satan is what? You already said it, the liar. Alex, mm. that's the where it leads to. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. You ready to do that, Alex? Let's do it, folks. The number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Call us with your Bible question. Exploring the Word is back after this brief break, and we look forward to talking with you. Stay with us. I've seen shame, the kind that comes from mistakes, the kind that won't go away. When I turned around, they were right there to remind me. I've seen regret, the kind that messes with your head, the failures and the can't forgets. But standing here now, I'm thinking, Welcome God back to Exploring the me. Word. Alex and Bert here. So glad that you're listening. The number is 888. 888- 589-8840, and this is the part of the program where we open up the phones and we talk to you, and we'll take your Bible questions. And uh, by the way, uh, Bert, I have the privilege this week of hosting Jenna Ellis in the morning, which is heard 8 to 9 Eastern, 7 to 8 Central Time. So we've had a good three days, and tomorrow and Friday, if anybody uh, is an early riser, I'll be on American Family Radio uh, in the Jenna Ellis program. You know, I was feeling so far sorry for you having to get up so early, but then I figured out that was eight o'clock Eastern time, and you're Which, in eight, so, I, so I quit. I quit feeling sorry for you. I, I, no, <laughs> well, good. <laughs> no, Alex. Hey, I've been listening. You're doing a great job, and I appreciate it, brother. And it is so neat to have you able to to pinch hit for for different hosts all during the the day and so we thank god for that so tune in tomorrow those of you that listen to exploring the word eight o'clock central time and you can hear more of alex i know you would enjoy it well let's go to the phone lines and let's go to oklahoma and talk to joe welcome joe thanks guys how you doing doing well good, good to hear from you today thanks sir hey uh i've talked to you guys before so you kind of become my go-to guys for bible stuff and I got a, a question for you. I've been struggling with this for a while now, and I'm a little confused, and I figured you guys could straighten me out. And here's my issue. 
a lot of folks talk about Jesus as being God incarnate. And if that's the case, why do we call him the Son of God? And what, what complicates it a little further is he's praying to God when he's here. He prayed to God in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed on the cross. He prayed to God in the tomb of Lazarus. So is he praying to himself? Uh, is he God or is he the Son of God? Which is Okay, thank you, Joe. Great question. And a lot of folks get that. I want to give you an event, Joe. It's, it, it'll add to that, and then Alex will take you further. But remember, at Jesus' baptism, you talk about Jesus praying to the Father. What about the baptism? And then what about the Mount of Transfiguration? It wasn't Jesus speaking, but the Heavenly Father speaking, saying, This is my beloved Son. So it was Father from Heaven speaking to his son, who is God here upon earth. Uh, it is, let me just share with you, it's bigger than your brain, my brain, or even Alex's brain to get your mind around that completely because it's called the Trinity. But Alex, we have the Father speaking to his son as well as the son praying to the Father all through the New Testament, don't we? We really do. And, sir, thanks for this very wonderful question because it really this is under the subject of Christology. What do we believe about Jesus Christ? Now, I mentioned earlier that the the New Testament uses words like Christ, Messiah, Son of God, Savior, Lord, God, and Son of Man. Those are the seven titles that all refer to Christ's deity. Now, Son of God really means Son from God. And uh, what's interesting is over 500 times... These titles appear in the New Testament, Messiah, Christ, Son of God, Savior, Lord, God, and Son of Man. Bert, I think the only way to really understand this is to acknowledge the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, one God, and yet eternally present in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So Jesus was praying to the Father. And let's remember also that while he was here on earth, Jesus, one person, but two natures, uh, fully God, fully man, but not fallen man. And really, I'll grant you this is complicated, but this is why he was able to bear our sin on Calvary's cross, you know, because perfect humanity, full deity, and the guilt he had own. He was not merely innocent, he was righteous. Amen. And all of our guilt was deflected and put on him. And so, one last thing, Jesus really does understand. Let me say, folks, if you've ever been fearful, if you've ever felt abandoned, if you've ever felt betrayed, um, he would pray to the Father because in the human side of Jesus, the, the Bible says he felt all the pains that we feel, tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet without sin. Bert, can't we legitimately say, every one of us, we can legitimately say Jesus understands. Amen. He is a high priest. He is the sacrifice. He understands. That's who he is. There's nobody like Jesus, I'll grant you. And, Joe, let me just share with you. We hope that gives you some 
some understanding, but I, I just say, listen, the Trinity is the, is one of those mysteries that is taught and is true that we have, com- we don't have complete uh, understanding of it. It's beyond us that that's the God we serve, a God that is beyond our understanding, but he has revealed himself to us so that we could come to him and understand enough of him to trust him, to be saved, and to follow him. And so I hope that encourages you. Let's go to Kansas and talk to Samuel. Welcome, Samuel. Hi, this is Samuel again from Hutchinson, Kansas. You guys had asked me to call you back. Oh, our revival yeah, brother. Last week. Yes, what's your report, brother? Well, my report is is we had an amazing turnout um, for our city. We had, oh, between 50 and 100 people each night. It wasn't massive, but the impact that we made on these people's lives were just amazing. Uh, we had uh, several people commit their lives to Christ as we had our, our revival, and we had several people recommit their lives to Christ. Um, got to enc- uh, encounter quite a few people from the homeless community and really pour into their lives with meals and fellowship and just uh, really brings Christ into their lives for possibly the very first time. And I just want to thank everybody for praying for our revival in Hutchinson, Kansas, and continue to pray for revival in Hutchinson, Kansas, but also all over the nation yes. uh, that we just continue to have revival here in the U.S. Alex, let's take time Amen. to pray. You know, we, we try to let's do that. Do would, uh, would you mind leading us in for Hutchison, but revival? That's one of your heart cries, brother. So lead a- us Amen. in prayer. Lead us. L- let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise your name. Thank you that we have the privilege of prayer. And, Lord, we know the, the, the Bible says you have all the power. Your arm is not shortened that you can't save. And, Lord, you can redeem individuals. You can revive a nation. Lord, I pray for the, the wonderful people of Hutchinson, Kansas. I was there a couple of years ago myself. So continue, Spirit of the living God, to fan those flames, draw those people closer to each other, closer to you. And, Lord, I pray for our nation. Oh, my goodness, Lord. All over, East Coast, West Coast, the Midwest, the Gulf states, our nation's capital, all over, Lord, we see the evidence of how desperately we need you. So, Lord, would you, in your mercy, send a revival, unite the church, the, the, the followers of Jesus from every direction. Lord, unite your church and fill us with your Holy Spirit, and Lord, banish sin and darkness, send the name of Jesus and a move of your Holy Spirit and a revival that would touch each and every life, beginning with our own. We ask this in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Samuel, thank you, brother. And Hutchison, Kansas, thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Kentucky, and it's Johnny. Welcome, Johnny. Hello. Yes, your own brother. Go right ahead. All right. Well, it's great to talk to you. I'm a first-time caller, and my question uh, aligns with something you said, Brother Bert, that the devil has never come with anything of his own. He always tries to imitate and confuse the Word of God. It come to my attention that in uh, Babel, when God wanted to confound the people there so that they would not build the tower and possibly make a name for themselves, he confused their language. Is that correct? That is correct. Well, I'm seeing that the same thing is happening now. I mean, it's been going on for some time as 
Paul Harvey noted in 1965, but the so-called versions of the Bible uh, actually materially changed the words that were accepted in the King James Bible of uh, 1611. Do you believe that the material changes are the devil's attempt to further confuse the children of God? Okay, Johnny, thank you for calling, brother. I appreciate you calling. Let me just share this with you. Uh, I I love the King James Version of the Bible. I memorized in it. Uh, I always had trouble with it because I had a hard time. My speech saying liveth and filleth. And uh, honestly, I cannot tell you that is the truth. And here God had called me to preach and get up there and, and just stumble over some of those uh, words that I had trouble with. That's me now. But when the New King James Version came out, and it stuck to to the meaning of the Greek words, and I've taken Greek, and far as I know the Hebrew, I love the New King James Version because it doesn't say, there's nothing spiritual about thy and thine. That right. that's, that's not it. But it changes you and mine and then fills as well as filleth. But there are better versions. And, and Johnny, I would say that there have been some that's come out that has... Alex, I'm just going to ha- say it. They've uh, come short of of what uh, it should, but most of them let you know that that they're paraphrase or they're uh, they're trying to take the original word that does not convey the truth of it in our language as it did in 1611 as it does now. So there are some that you and I both consider better because people are always at what versions would you suggest and we're quick to give two or three aren't we we are and and you know what uh, this is a we ought to do a whole show on this when we say that the bible is the inspired infallible word of god we're talking about um what's the original text given by god the hebrew and greek of old and new testaments sometimes that's called the autographa in other words the original autographs but listen very carefully i believe that the translations are every bit as inspired as the original copies from which they were taken because it's a word by word uh swap now what's interesting is Bible translations even existed at the time of Christ because the Genesis through Malachi, the Hebrew scriptures, to uh, you know, two hundred years before the birth of Christ, uh, they translated the Hebrew into Greek, and that was called the Septuagint. And what's interesting is even Jesus, in quoting what you and I call the Old Testament, sometimes quoted the Septuagint rendering. Now. Uh, as you said, there there have been some translations better than others, um, either accidentally or intentionally. A translation can be, you know, less than ideal. Uh, but Bert, what's interesting is that um, when you look at the original languages, as very often I'll reference a Greek word or something, it it really might give some expanded insight, but it doesn't change the meaning. That's right. And folks, I want you. We, we could spend a long time on this, but let me just summarize. You can trust your Bible. Uh, when it says Jesus rose from the dead in the Greek, that means he rose from the dead. <laughs> it, when it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved or you will be saved, 
whether it's Elizabethan English of 1611 or the modern vernacular of the Holman Christian Standard, the New American Standard, the, the NLT, the ESV, they're all good. But it means if you believe on the name of Jesus, you'll be saved. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me say, Johnny, I hope, I hope that helps you. And if the King James Version is the one you want and you want to, that's awesome. Alex uses it just about every show. Every once in a while, he'll use another one most of the time. It, and so we love it. But yet at the same time, uh, I want to just tell you, I'm glad that King James was put into the language that it was. And I'm thankful that others have been put into the language, into other foreign languages. What a blessing that is to take the yeah. gospel to the languages of the world. We got time for one more caller at least, and we go to Texas and talk to Bob. Welcome, Bob. Welcome, guys. I'm a first-time caller. I've uh, listened to Yay. the radio station now for quite a while. And um, I, I don't have a big question. I wanted to make a comment that um, I've been in the uh, – uh, I never was raised in the church. I went to church every now and then with neighbors and friends. But I've been in the construction industry for 40 years, and I have built a lot of churches and got to know the pastors and the preachers and, and got to know them real well and talking with them and meeting with them about a lot of different things. And I will tell you that I never felt the word from them. And I know you all have spoken in the past about how the how the false prophecy in some of the uh, churches and, and things like that. But until I found the American Family Radio Station uh, several, you know, about eight or nine months ago, I have never felt as strong as I feel right now <laughs> because of the word that you guys preach and say and talk about is, is so heartfelt to me. I've never felt those words and never felt the compassion and the truth that you guys give every single day. And I drive to work listening to the station in the morning. I like the conservative side of it. I listen to it on the way in in the mornings. I get into my, my district truck. I have the radio station on. So no matter which truck I get in and my wife's vehicle, we're always listening to, to American Family Radio. And I just wanted to say that it's God bless people like you. Bob. Amen. Isn't Alex, God good? He is good. Alex, let's make a pledge. Let's stick to the stuff and stay in the Word. <laughs> what about you, Amen. brother? Bless you, sir. That's a very a very wonderful call. We give God the glory. And you know, folks, this is Alex and Bert. We're going to stay with the stuff. We're going to stay with Jesus, and we encourage you to do the same. You can trust Jesus. He'll never let you down. This is Exploring the Word, folks. Tell somebody about exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about the Lord Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.